All right, day one of our field report. So excited. Rancy, you ready, man? I'm ready. Hey, 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 look what I got. Look, look. Don't I look cool? Branson, what are you wearing? It's a mask, man. Just like the Red Comet, right? I mean, the cool people wear the mask. He was like the the super cool pilot. I look just like him. No, Branson. Bad Branson. What? What? Why is it bad? It's a mask, man. No, All the cool superheroes wear masks. These aren't superheroes, Branson. Okay, look. In all right, in in anime, sometimes yes, masks are things they wear, but yeah. oftentimes the person wearing the mask is not a good person. What you mean, like he's misunderstood? And nine times out of ten in Gundam, they're really not a good person. Oh. And showing up for our first field report, you're gonna get us fired. Oh. Okay. So this is not dressed like the job you want, day. Let's not do that today. Uh, okay, okay. Uh, uh, Haro, Haro, where'd you go? Get here, Haro. Take this and put it somewhere. Okay, okay. All right. How do I look? How do I look? You you have mask hair. Uh. Okay. Just, uh, we'll fix it later. Let's go. We, we gotta go. We gotta go. Look this. Look this. No. Uh, 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 In 1979, Mobile Suit Gundam was introduced to the world. But what is Gundam? Where do you start watching it? Join the crew of Shiro Base as they seek to discover Gundam together. Come and join the Gundam Watch. Hello Gundam fans and those who think they might be, welcome to the Gundam Watch, episode 001. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm Dallas. I'm so glad you guys have hit the play button. We list to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you found us. Hey, welcome to the show. I am joined with me by my amazing, talented co-host, Mr. Unmasked Branson Boykin. Hello, hello. Yes, I am unmasked because I am not the bad guy of this show. Let's make that clear. <laughs> I may be new, but I'm not evil. Thank you, Branson, for not being evil today. I appreciate that. You know, I try really hard. <laughs> and you do so well. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Ladies and gentlemen, this is our inaugural episode officially of the Gundam Watch, where Branson and I are taking time to go through the entire, not the entire series, but as much as we can of Mobile Suit Gundam to discover what's happening with Gundam. What, like, what, what's the show about, the background, the history. And we're coming from, from very different perspectives. I'm an experienced Gundam fan. I've been watching Gundam for 23 plus years and discovering every day that I'd probably need more hobbies. And then Branson here is a, uh, a noob. He's new to Gundam. Very new, very new. <laughs> so so if you guys new want- that I wear masks to mission briefings. Apparently that's a bad idea. Yeah, yeah, I'm glad you took that off before we got it before the high council today. So, <laughs> so here's the deal, ladies and gentlemen. If you want to know more about why Branson and I are doing this, make sure you check out our last episode uh, where we kind of discussed all that. That being said, today, ladies and gentlemen, we're jumping into a three-part series. Uh, it is the three-part movie series that summarizes the original Mobile Suit Gundam series from 1970. Nine. Branson, are you excited about today, bud? I am. I'm very excited. I've I've been looking at the little uh, character that you've got for me that I've set up in the viewing bod, and it looks cool. So I'm eager to see what it looks like when it's actually <laughs> in action and you know doing giant robotic stuff. Remind me to get you a gunner marker so you can panel line that thing. I understand none of what you just said. And I can't wait for you to understand what I've said later. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> I just believe that you're going to become a fan. So right. that being said, ladies and gentlemen, like I said, we're, we're looking at the a three-part series. Now, Bryce, I want to explain something that we're looking at here <clears throat> before we go into our viewing pods to watch it. This 
condenses an entire series into three movies. Oh boy. Now there's like 49 episodes in this first movie that you and I are about to watch, uh, was, um, well, it's, it's, it compresses episodes one through 13 into two and a half hours. Oh boy. Yeah. So this is going to be like watching it on fast forward. (laughs) Kind of, kind of similar. Um, if you look up the, the Gundam wiki page, it says that this was a, uh, 1981 Japanese film directed by Yoshiko, uh, I'm sorry, Yoshiyuki Tomino, who Tomino is the guy who created Gundam, uh, in uh, Fujiwara, and animated by Sunrise. This is a, a compilation movie of mostly Gundam movie trilogy. And again, it's episodes one through 13 of the entire series. So, um, going into this, it's going to be interesting because, Branson, it's going to, there's going to be a lot of things that are left out. And okay. there's going to be some gaps there that we may have to talk about after we watch this together. Gotcha. Um, so uh, I'm going to read the synopsis and then um, I think we're going to jump into it. Are we ready for this? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Here's the synopsis of what we're about to watch. In, uh, in the year 0079 of the Universal Century, the war between her Federation and principalities of Xeon have reached a stalemate however when zeon learns about the federation new mobile suits being developed on at the side seven space colony char asmo launches an attack to destroy them a boy named amuro ray finds himself caught up in the conflict when he becomes the unwilling pilot of the federation's new mobile suit the gundam cool all right any questions before you go into the pod um not now. I might have them once I'm in the pod, but I'll just bring them out with me. <laughs> All right. Ladies and gentlemen, Branson and I are going into the pod. And uh, uh, before we start the movie, we're each going to give our kind of our expectations of what we got coming into the movie. So, Branson, let's do this thing. I'm ready. Let's do it. All right. In the pod. This is nice and comfortable. Ooh. I got a taco holder. Yes, let's go. I'm so excited to start this podcast. Oh, man. Hope Bryson is having fun over there in his pod. All right. So getting the movie in, ready to go. So, man, I just realized it's been a long time since I've actually seen this movie. Um, So from what I remember, again, this is 70s animation, so I can't expect... um, Modern day action pack. There's a lot of, you know, they told stories different back in the 70s. So I'm going to have to just kind of relax. It's going to, I know that the, in this movie, they, they chopped up by a lot of the filler so that uh, the story moves a little quicker, but I should expect a little bit of uh, dryness to the storytelling. But I'm super excited to get into this. Um, a lot of love for the original Gundam simply because of the groundwork it laid out. So um, I'm having to go with that mindset, but. Um, I'm not expecting miracles. This isn't going to be the greatest film ever. I, it's probably going to be a little bit slow at times, but I'm really hoping to this ignite some excitement for the rest of the podcast, especially for people listening to it right now. All right, enough said. Let's get into it. Okay, sitting in the viewing pod, getting ready to watch the first movie, Mobile Suit Gundam 1. Okay, oh, Taco Machine. Okay, I wonder if it makes quesadillas. Let's see. Well, while I'm sitting here looking for the quesadilla button on the taco machine, let me talk about my expectations. Um, I guess given the age of this movie, based on what I've experienced, I'm guessing that it's going to be kind of like Voltron without the magic. Like if you took out the row beasts and that Hagar witch lady and things, and it was just the robot lions fighting a bunch of spaceships. That is what I expect Gundam to be. Um, I expect there to be a laser sword. Mostly because the miniature Gundam suit that Dallas got for me that's sitting here in the viewing pod has a laser sword. I'm actually really excited about that. I expect the heroes to be very young, like teenage, early college age, just because that seems to be the the trope for a lot of animes. The the hero always seems to be a, a teenager or... Someone very, very young. Uh, The bad guy is probably going to be wearing a mask. A lot of the animes I've seen, the bad guy wears a mask. Either because he's horribly disfigured or because it looks cool. 
Let's see. Still can't find quesadillas. What else do I expect? I expect the hero to have a lot of big emotions. Um, I see that a lot. In, in animes, there's always this these really big emotional moments. Sometimes they're over serious things. Sometimes they're over silly things. Uh, I don't know. I guess that's that's all I know to expect at this point. I'm sure as we progress through these movies, I'll I'll know more of what to expect. But right now, that's what I've got: Voltron without the magic, teenage heroes, laser swords, and bad guys wearing masks. And it doesn't look like there's a quesadilla button on the taco machine. I'm going to have to talk to Haro. Am I saying his name right? Haro? Haro? Whatever his name is. I'm going to have to talk to him about installing a quesadilla button on this. Okay. Getting ready to press the play button. Here we go. All right. Wow. <laughs> oh man well that was a fun trip yeah that was that was something <laughs> I, I i gotta admit i i was a little overwhelmed that was uh it felt like 13 episodes crammed into one because it, it was a lot of information all at once this Kinda is makes me want to go back Kind of makes me want to go back and watch the series so I can take this off in bite sizes. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad you said that because that was one of my, actually the worries I had of us doing it this way. This was actually one of the things people warned about is there is so much uh, data compressed into a singular movie. It can be overwhelming. So um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a bit weary about how you're going to come out of this today. Uh liking the series this may be our final episode ladies and gentlemen this may have just been too much for branson his brain may be melting right now i don't know we're gonna find out momentarily it's it's, it's not melting i just I, I took off a big bite of the elephant so i need to chew for a while <laughs> you did take off a, a big bite on the elephant all right well ladies and gentlemen we're gonna get into the conversation about uh this movie what did we watch what did we like about it what did we not like about it um we're going to try to, this, there are going to be spoilers uh, just because there has to be for this conversation. Uh, but I right. want to encourage you guys to maybe check out these movies. These movies are available on various platforms. Um, I know they're on Netflix right now. Uh, if you want to watch the series itself, the whole series is available on Crunchyroll. Maybe YouTube or Gundam.info. I'm not sure. I have to check that. Um, but I do know that they are on Crunchyroll right now. Very so, cool. Branson, where do you want to start, bro? I would like to start with just the utter massive scale of everything mm. in this show. Yeah. Everything was huge. Mm -hmm. I mean, the, the, the ships, the space stations, obviously the mobile suits themselves, but I, it, it was, it was almost overwhelming at how huge everything <laughs> was like, when they pan, <clears throat> excuse me, when they were talking about how the war started at the very beginning and they were panning over the scenes of the, the space stations, like side three and side seven, the, the station is so massive that there is atmosphere in it. Like mm -hmm. when you're at street level and look up, you see blue sky, right? Not the other side of the station. You see blue sky, right? And just the scale of it. The, the last time I remember reading or, or seeing anything that discussed that kind of scale was uh, years ago when I read a guy who basically wrote a sequel to the HG Wells, the time machine. Right. And in that he described a, a space station that circumscribed the moon or maybe it was oh, wow. the sun. But anyhow, it was so huge Then it was nighttime and the guy looked up and saw the stars in the sky and the person that he was with said, those aren't stars. Those are the city lights of the other side of the station. Oh, wow. So, yeah. So even that was not to the scale of this. Mm -hmm. and, um, we were talking a little bit in the show when the, the Zaku suits kind of dropped down and you had made the comment, well, you know, these massive suits drop down stealthily, you know, it's like someone trying to sneak up on someone in a tank. But if you have a station that is so big 
that on one side you look up and see blue sky, not the other yeah. side of the station, I could see how something massive could drop down mm-hmm. and the populace not even know about it. Yeah. Because it's that massive. And then of course you have uh just the 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 station where the white base, the ship, mm-hmm. which that was a question I had. Is it white base or Trojan horse? So white base is the name of the ship. The code name is Trojan horse. Okay. So that was a, that was a Xenon code name. Right. Okay. Cause I, it took me a second to realize that when they talked about Trojan horse, they were talking about the ship. Right. Uh, but just the, the massive size of that, I mean, everything was huge. Mm-hmm. And to me, it created a sense of atmosphere. Yeah. It created a, 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 a yeah, <laughs> yes, yes. It literally created atmosphere. <laughs> but I mean, even when you watch something like Star Trek or Star Wars, and it's all about exploration, things are more compact. Mm. You know, this was not compact. Right. This 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 gave the impression that they had been living in these colonies for generations. Close to it, they they've been in these colonies for about roughly seventy nine years. Oh, okay. So yeah. still not as long as Star Trek, but 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 still it <laughs> it felt gigantic. Yeah, totally. And, and and in a way that I don't think any other property is gigantic. I mean, even in Star Wars, when they have an entire planet that's just a city, mm-hmm. it didn't feel this big. Yeah, yeah. So well, they, I was the, really impressed by that. I'm glad you bring up the, the the vastness, how big this colony is, because it brings to perspective the opening lines, which. Again, um, now my version in my pod was in Japanese. Was your in Jap- yours in Japanese? Yeah, it was Japanese with subtitles. Okay, so it's really easy to miss it, but kind of lays the the uh, the groundwork for everything. This takes place amid the what they call the One Year War, and at the begin one month into it, half the Earth population dies because they dropped a freaking colony on the planet. Right. Yeah, I saw that, and so that's how. I'm getting when you think about how big these colonies are in space, they create extinction level events on the earth when they crash. Right. And so that was another scene that, that, that burned in my head was seeing that massive ship mm -hmm. just crash. And and I mean, and you can see how huge they drew it because you see a, the the city skyline that it falls on looks like grass on the ground. So these are skyscrapers that are the, the, a blade of grass mm-hmm. and this huge thing falls and it just, everything was just so over the top and not in a bad way, just massive, mm-hmm. you know, it gave and, gravity uh, to what was happening to the sense yes. of, again, this is a war. This is a mega war that's taking place right now. Right. And, and that kind of ties into when we first see Amaro, did I say that right? Amaro? Yeah. I'm going to butcher these names. I apologize. <laughs> when we first see Amaro and uh, when we first see him like jump in the Gundam suit and, 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 and pilot it throughout most of that entire sequence, he looks like he is very overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. Like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. And I liked that because I mean, obviously he's the protagonist. He's the hero of the story, but he's not acting heroic. Right. He's not saying it is my job to go and defend the colony against the evils of the Xenon. <laughs> I mean, no, it is. Oh God. Oh God. I got him in the cockpit. Here's the instruction booklet. What does this button do? Oh God. He's going to shoot me. Now I got to shoot back. Oh crap. I'm out of ammo. Let me, <laughs> let me, ah, I mean, he constantly felt overwhelmed like the yeah. entire time. And, uh, in fact, there's one scene I remember specifically. It was, at, I don't know if it was the first fight or a later fight but he comes out of the cockpit and starts walking to his room and everyone's congratulating him on a job. Well done. Yeah. Hey, you, you beat him. You did good. I, I think it was his first time he fought the, the red comet mm-hmm. and uh, he's just staring at everyone with this blank stare on his face. Like he's not saying anything to anyone. He just goes and he walks into his room, collapses on his bed and just mm-hmm. starts sobbing. Yeah. And, and, and you see, how utterly overwhelmed and not prepared for this he is. Right. And I think making everything so massive, it plays into that, you know, Mm -hmm. literally, literally the ground he is walking on is being destroyed 
by enemy invaders, not mm-hmm. just, Oh, there's guns. Like the, the, the site is about to blow up. Right. You know? And, uh, so it, the, the scale of the environment helped play up just how overwhelmed he felt in this new situation. Right. And, uh, which, which is just great storytelling. That. I mean, that's just like everything right. builds onto it. And within these first, what I would call the first story arc really is the escape from side seven of, of this whole, he's overwhelmed. This is a child. And that's the great thing is you have this great landscape and then you and I, the audience are really put in place to, to experience this through the eyes of Amro, And then even some of the other novices who are joining white base at the same time, everyone is thrown, thrown out, out of whack because this is such a massive ordeal taking place for everybody. Right. Right. And, uh, and, and I like, and I forget exactly where in the movie they talk about it, but they, the, the older officers keep talking about these are children. Mm-hmm. Your, your, your crew is made up of children and um, bright Lieutenant bright, the guy mm-hmm. who kind of becomes captain by default. Right. He basically says, well, yeah, they're kids, but there's nobody else. Right. The reason they're part of this team is because there's literally no one else to do this. Right. All of the other pilots, all, you know, the captain, everybody's dead. <laughs> and, and I liked that because that, that separated it from the, I'm going to make up a term here. It's not an actual term, but the, the power <laughs> ranger syndrome. Yeah. You know, um, this whole idea of, Oh yeah. Teenagers are totally okay with, you know, stepping up and, and fighting in a war. I mean, they, mm-hmm. they do that all the time. Right. Um, that was one thing that I, one of the few things I enjoyed about that mature power Rangers fan film that they did mm-hmm. was they approached it from, you take a bunch of teenagers weaponize them and throw them into an intergalactic war. What do you think that's going to do to their psyche? Exactly. You know, and, and mobile suit Gundam dives straight into that. Mm-hmm. You know, you see the kids, some of them are cracking jokes just to deal. Some of them are retreating within themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, Amuro can't decide from one second to the next, whether he even wants to be a Gundam pilot. Right. But you feel this. I'm just a kid. I'm not supposed to be able to deal with this stuff. Right. And it's getting flung on me and I can't say no. I can't say no. Thank you. Now, what's interesting, though, is that this is also coming from a culture where um, maturity is expected on the young very quickly. You uh, I saw a news story a couple years ago about how in Japan it's not uncommon for you to look to be on a on a railway on a on a subway and look over and see a five year old by themselves going to school. And wow just doing stuff because it's expected to them. You just do this. Now, again, Japan has a very different culture. They have a very different um, social structure. Uh, I'm not sitting my five-year-old out on the streets of Shreveport. Me neither. (laughs) (laughs) So it's it's very different. But at the same time, there is a level of, we expect you to be mature and take care of things. And what's interesting is I feel like Tomino is looking at this and going, yes, we have this mindset, but these are still children. Mm-hmm. And we have to remember, this is 1979. We're only um, 30, 30 plus years removed from the events of World War II. Right. And so he's coming on the back end of people who grew up in the uh, during the American uh, occupation time frame. He's heard mm-hmm. stories from his grandparents about, you know, other older, about other older relatives who were enlisted into uh, the empire's uh, military force and all these other things. Yeah. And so he's looking at it, he's like, yes, mature, but understand the gravity about the war, about what war does to children themselves. Yes. Yes. And you definitely, so, you definitely felt that. Uh, I mean, I, I was right there with Amaro when he was like walking down the aisle and people were talking to him and trying to tell him, Hey, you saved us all. And he's like, I don't want to deal with it. Just leave me alone. I'm like, man, I, I understand. I'm right there with you. Go, go, go sit in your corner and have yourself a good cry. We'll check on you later. I mean, you right. know, <laughs> Dang. it's crazy. Now, one of the things that um, we, we missed out in this version is there's a lot of cut scenes that took place where Amro has conversations with bright and other people about his responsibility to pilot the Gundam for the sake of the fact that you're in it, you're yeah. doing it, get it right. done. Yeah. And, 
Um, there was some back and forth where even Amro was like, I'm doing this. And then you see him later going, I don't want to do this. And you don't really see the conversation take place where he's like, I'm doing this. Leave me alone, Bright. I got this. And Bright's going, if you got this, then own up and do it, man. Walk right. this out. Which right. I think is it missing those scenes kind of it throws off that scene later where uh, where Bright slaps uh, uh, Amro around. Yeah. Um, now, some people will look at that and go, man, that's just child abuse. At the same time, I feel like that's culturally, not just culturally, but time period wise, how you handled a soldier who was going through shell shock, uh-huh. which is what Amro was doing. Not healthy. Right. I mean, we're talking right. about PTSD. Yeah. Not the best way to do it, but right. it was the only way to shock them out of the shell shock. Well, Armuro did the same thing to Frau when her mother was killed at the very yeah. beginning of the movie. She was tripping out and he was like, we don't have time for you to trip out. Right. You're going to die unless you get on your feet and go. Exactly. So, you know, I didn't get the impression that that was a, oh, I'm in, irritated with you. So I'm going to beat you around. Right. It was a, I need you to focus because mm-hmm. we're going to die. And yeah. The only way I can do that is to, create physical pain. So you have something to focus on besides the bodies that are next to you. Right. Um, so yeah, I, I totally get that. And, and, and again, like, uh, Bright said, we're in this, it, it, you don't have time to freak out because if you don't do this, we're dead. Right. We're dead. Um, I did appreciate that Amaro struggled with pulling the trigger on char. Mm-hmm. Like he had a the sights, Shar, excuse me. I'm telling you, I'm going to butcher these names. <laughs> but I mean, he's got him dead in his sights. All he has to do is pull the trigger. And he doesn't see the mobile suit, the, the Zaku suit. He sees the man piloting it and he hesitates. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I think that informs why his mother freaks out so much later in the movie when he shoots a Xenon soldier trying to protect himself. Yeah. And she's like, what did you just do? Right. You know, because that at that point he's been conditioned. He's like, okay, this is war. This is the enemy. But you see why he struggled at the beginning and possibly where he got that mindset of why he struggled to pull the trigger is because his mother is very much a, all life is sacred. I don't care if they're mm-hmm. the enemy or not. You don't right. kill people. Right. And uh, that was actually a, a very heartbreaking scene, knowing what Armoro went through to get to that point, knowing that he was motivated by trying to protect himself and his family. And his mother to say, I'm ashamed you're even my son. Right. You know, Which, that was that is that is a heartbreaking thing. And that actually took me back. That I couldn't help but think about um the men who came back from Vietnam. Men who went with the mindset, I'm doing something to serve or protect my family. It was a disaster. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm not promoting what took place in Vietnam at all. But these men, most of them did not go there because they wanted to be these savage animals. They were going with the mindset, I'm protecting my family. Right. And they come home and they're treated like, what's wrong with you? I can't believe this yeah. is you do this. And for me watching that Amro, that was another point for Amro to solidify himself of I'm doing this even though people don't appreciate it. I yeah. I have to do something for the better of p- other people, even if they don't understand it, to, which is a huge. um, I think it's a growth point of his. Yeah. But at the same time, it's a it's a moral standard that I think I wish more people had of going. Sometimes we have to do hard things for the betterment of other people, even if it's unpopular. Right. Absolutely. Uh, especially both of us being believers. Yeah. yeah. Uh, sometimes doing what is God honoring, doing what is moral, mm-hmm. doing what is in line with scripture does not make you popular. No, <laughs> you know, and and, and, <laughs> and, and, especially these days more than just a, Oh, ha ha, you're a goody two shoes. But you know, th- there are people that have a very strong negative reaction to right. people of faith. Absolutely. And, uh, so, so yeah, I, I definitely connected with that. Yeah. Um, so, um, man, there's just so much. And this, again, this is uh, and for listeners. This is going to be the struggle for Branson and I going forward with these first three episodes is because there's just so much took place. Um, let me ask you this, man, what's we, we've hit it. We hit hard and heavy with some deeper conversations, but let's, let's back up a little bit. Okay. what do you think of, uh, the Gundam, the suit itself? Oh man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I, I thought it was cool. I, I, I had to laugh that Armuro literally like jumped in the cockpit with the instruction manual. <laughs> and that's how he was piloting the thing right <laughs> that was a you know if you ever want a lesson of how important the instructions are <laughs> here is a lesson right now dude took out two zaku suits and all he did was read the instructions yeah uh, uh i got very very strong voltron vibes uh which <laughs> I, I said i said in my uh in my expectations i kind of expected this to be voltron without the magic um I don't think that's really an accurate description anymore because it doesn't capture the scale of what this is. Right. But seeing the suit fight in and of itself, um, things got a giant lightsaber (laughs) and and that's just cool. You know, he, he reaches back and pulls it out. And like I said, I I knew it had a, 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 uh, I knew it had a laser sword because the, the model you got me has one, but, and then he had that big shield and I'm like, it's, it's a it's it's a suit of armor. Yeah. It is a, a a giant suit of armor, and I'm like, this is cool. <laughs> this is cool, and I I, <laughs> I like that it's not a sentient thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, I like that, and I think I made a note of this somewhere, or if I didn't, I should have. Like I said, Amro is obviously the the protagonist mm-hmm. uh, because he's the main pilot for the suit. So what I liked about Armoro is that he doesn't he doesn't have this chosen one vibe. Mm. You know, he has a job that he was just in the right place in the right time. Right. I like that the suit isn't sentient. That means that anyone who jumps in the cockpit, that thing's going to get piloted. Right. That that what made Armoro special is just coincidence. It's the fact mm-hmm. that he was at the right place at the right time. Right. Uh, and, and nothing against the, the, the chosen one stories where, you know, you know, like, like, like I said, with like Voltron, only you can pilot the lion because it chose you or whatever. I mean, those stories are cool, mm-hmm. but when you get inundated with that idea, it's nice to have a story that, well, the reason I'm piloting it is because I was here and no one else was right. Y- you know? Uh, so that was cool. Uh, I love seeing it in action. I mean, it, it was just good sci-fi fun, (laughs) you know? I mean, that, that's the thing. It just, we're going to get in these giant robots and fight each other. Right. And I mean, I, I'm guessing at some point somebody made a video game about this series. They'd be stupid not to. (laughs) There were several Gundam uh, games out there. Not all of them good. Uh, (laughs) So interesting thing about, about the suit itself You'll hear them several times call it uh, go refer to as the white as the white mobile suit or the white devil. Um, originally, it was supposed to be, be purely white. Uh, Tomino oh, really? one, had, had this mindset of uh, this vision of it being just a pure white robot, and basically, toy companies were like, "No, we need to sell toys." And so, <laughs> right, we needed to be attractive. Yeah, <laughs> I find that most of my childhood started with we want to sell these toys. We need a show to go with it. <laughs> Transformers, uh, Captain Power and the Soldiers of the Future, He Man, uh, GI Joe. I mean, all of it was. We want to sell the toys. Let's make a show. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. cool. So, what would you think of? You've mentioned the, the Zaku several times. Um, so we won't, we only actually, if I remember correctly, only see two mobile suits that the enemies have. You have the Zakus, mm-hmm. uh, which come with your standard green, or if you're Char, red pink yeah and then um you have the goof which is piloted by rambo Rawl at the end of the movie right uh what'd you think of those uh machines um <clears throat> i very much appreciated that they look vastly different from mm-hmm. the mobile suit gundam so that you can tell these are operated but these are created by two different cultures mm-hmm. two different technology sets uh two different sets of resources um i really liked Rawl's suit with the, the electro whip. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. That was cool. <laughs> I enjoyed watching him fight. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, Char's suit was cool and I get why it was pinkish because he's the red comet. Okay. Yeah. 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 But other than the color scheme, that's the only thing that seemed really different than the other suits. Right. And 
obviously he was faster with it because Amaro kept trying to shoot him and he kept jumping out of the way at the last second. Uh, I don't know if that's because his suit was better, if he was just a better pilot, but Rawls suit was, was neat. Cause I, I like that the concept of that Electra whip thing, how he can like, you know, just crack it and bust his shield up or tie it up around him and yank it in, do the whole, uh, scorpion thing you know get over here kind of thing <laughs> um you know it was i really liked raw suit what i um, what i find interesting is the um the suits are the not the suits but the the pilots themselves they're they're different it doesn't seem like they're all just like stock pilots like right. raw is very much a different type of archetype of character from char sometimes yes. in the series it's like okay all the bad guys are the same and they really worked hard to make it not that way. Shar uh, yeah. seems to have his own motivation about things altogether, maybe or may not line up with Zeon. And mm-hmm. then, which we find out later, it's not uh, yeah. in this movie. And then Shaw, uh, Rambo Rao, he seems very much the, the proper general, but a yeah. gentleman at the same time. Yeah, he was a gentleman fighter, exactly. And maybe that's why I liked him as a character so much. He yeah. was... He was technically the bad guy, but he was like, you know, like there, I read a story one time about uh, two medieval kingdoms who were warring and the, uh, the general of the opposing side died and news was brought to the king of the other side. Hey, this general that is your enemy has just died. He's been killed in battle. And instead of celebrating the win, instead of saying, yeah, he stopped what he was doing and had everyone at the dinner table toast the man and mm-hmm. say, we were on opposite sides of the battlefield, but you will never meet a more honorable, respectable man, both on and off the battlefield. And the world is a worser place because he is no longer in it. And this is a guy, they were at war with each other, right? Like if they saw each other on the battlefield, they would literally try to kill each other. But when he dies, he mourns. And that's the kind of impression I get from Rawl is he's that kind of guy, you know, mm-hmm. uh, which to the point, one of the things, and normally I don't like this. I'm, I'm a classic comic book fan. I like my villains to be bad guys. I occasionally like the sympathetic villain story, especially if it's a redemption story. I love mm-hmm. seeing bad guys become good guys. But for the most part, you know, bad guys wear black hats. They <laughs> want to take over the world because they're just evil, that kind of thing. Right. That's not what you get in this movie. No. The Xeon was the antagonist. Yeah, they were the guys who were set against the main character of the story. But there wasn't a lot that made them evil. You know, uh, I mean, especially, they did drop an entire colony on Earth. Well, yeah, but at the same time, the Federation is shooting their ships down. I mean, it mm. is a war. <laughs> War's got to have two sides, you know. Uh, like... For example, when, when, and again, uh, Dallas said before, lots of spoilers, when Garma dies mm-hmm. and you see the nation mourn, like the, the head emperor or whatever, Garma's father, like I almost felt bad for him. Like he was sitting there and he looked sad, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, and, and again, <clears throat> Rawl, a gentleman warrior, he's on the wrong side of the fight, but I find myself liking him. Mm-hmm. So Xenon is the antagonist, yes, but there is actually very little in the movie to make me feel like they were a villain. Right. It, it genuinely felt like they were just the opposing side of a conflict. And this is the great beauty of, of the series, and I would say the franchise as a whole, is you get these interesting looks into both sides of any conflict. Mm-hmm. You can find these archetypes that take place within any conflict, and specifically within this realm. Garma's motivation for going into battle was to get the approval of his family so he can get married. Yeah. That was his whole ordeal. And then the tragedy of like, what's what's, like Shar has his own motivation Mm -hmm. and we discover that for whatever reason, we don't know why yet he has angst against uh, the, uh, the zombie family Mm -hmm. and we don't know why, but we know that he sets up his friend Garma do die. And he's okay, just like, so, Hey, so that was a question I had and I, and I kind of missed it. But my question was, 
Shar knew that Garma was going to die. Like, cause Shar kind of goaded him into going like right. he even said, Hey, I know that you would want to do something like this. So I'm deliberately not involving myself to give you a shot at it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and I, again, whether it's cause I was trying to read everything, sometimes the words on the screen were going by <laughs> faster than I could read but because they were all speaking Japanese. I wasn't also hearing what they were saying. Right. But, uh, it, it felt like to me, like Shar kind of knew Garma was going to his death and that was kind of the whole point. So you're saying that, that, that I didn't misread that. That was the way it was supposed to be. Okay. Yeah. Which is, is frustrating because I also appreciate Sela as a Federation character and their brother and sister, apparently. Yes. So we Maybe. found that out. <laughs> well, I mean, at the very beginning when he's on side seven, and they look at each other and she's like, oh, my brother or whatever. So she questions that, though, like, it's like, is it her brother or is it not her brother? At this point in the movie, in the series, she goes, I think he's my brother, but she's not entirely sure just yet. And in the next movie, uh, we'll get confirmation. Spoiler. Oh, alert. OK. <laughs> OK. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. So, yeah, I mean, that was so I guess really Shar is the only one that seems truly villainous. But the Xenon soldiers themselves, they just seem very patriotic. Uh, like you said, Garma, I think Garma even tells his fiance, he says, if I go and I'm not successful, then I'll just stop being a zombie. Yeah. I can marry you anyway. Mm-hmm. Like, like, you know, he's, he's trying to do the honorable thing, but he resolves himself. If I can't do this honorably, then I'll just marry you without my family's wealth. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, it, it was that whole needless death, <laughs> you know, and uh, I'm going to tell so you this. The longer yeah. we get into this, Shar's story, you will have some sympathy for his story the further uh, along we go. Yeah. Cool. So, yeah. So, I mean, I, I appreciate that, that Xenon is the antagonist, sure, but they're not the obvious villain they're not maniacally rubbing their hands together and cackling and saying yes i'm going to take over the world it's you know especially because xenon used to be part of the federation and then decided no we're going to declare independence Mm -hmm. as an american declaring your independence from a nation is usually a good thing that's normally (laughs) the hero of the story right 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 (laughs) so it, it that was another interesting switch for the it was the same as when I uh, I watched a TV series based on the literature character, the Scarlet Pimpernel. Mm-hmm. And he was a guy, uh, there's talk that perhaps uh, Zorro was actually based off of him. Oh, wow. Uh, or that uh, Batman was also Luther, because it was an aristocrat mm-hmm. who had an alter ego. And as that alter ego, he would go and, and rescue people. And in his story, the, the backdrop was... Uh, France post-revolution. I feel like I saw this on Wishbone once. <laughs> Wishbone might have had a uh, an episode <laughs> about it. Yeah, what I saw was like a whole like ten part series or whatever on BBC. Wow. But uh, well, BBC made it. I watched it on Netflix. But, <laughs> but far uh, more uh, scholarly than I am. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it was interesting because in that story the people who rose up against the elite and the aristocrats were the bad guys. Mm-hmm. And you know, the people who didn't want Kings anymore, they were the villains of the story. And what the Scarlet Pimpernel did was he would go and he would find people who were members of the Royal family, people who were elitists that these revolutionaries were trying to, you know, cut off their heads. Right. And he was basically helping them escape France and get to Britain so that they could live, live better lives and not be hunted. And so that was an interesting flip to see the people fighting for independence being the bad guys. And uh, you, you kind of get that vibe here as well. But again, not quite so much because Xenon's painted as the antagonist, but not the villain. Mm. Char really is the only true villain of the story. Right. And and that might change in the next movie. I don't know. But, um, you know, as it is right now, I, and again, normally I want my, my bad guys to be bad. Right. But this was a nice change. It This was done in such a way that, that it was actually enjoyable. Yeah. Good, so. man. I'm glad. Well, let me ask you this. Um, 
Are there any questions about what you saw that you think I might be able to clarify for you before we get into our final thoughts about the, the movie itself? Um, I don't think so. I did have one comment, and it's really the only thing I didn't like about the show. My only real complaint. Lieutenant Matilda. Mm-hmm. Armoros like all starstruck for her. Yes. And they spend a lot of time talking about how starstruck he is for her. Mm-hmm. I'm guessing that's important later. I, <laughs> I mean, it just it just seems kind of. And again, you know, we're watching a condensed version. Maybe in the in the series they explore that a little bit, but like they go out of their way to say, Frau is interested in Amaro, and Amaro can't see it because he's too busy being starry eyed at Lieutenant Matilda. It almost seemed like, hey, look at this. Armro likes Matilda and Frau doesn't like it. Look over here. Armro likes Matilda and Frau doesn't like it. Did you get that? <laughs> Armro likes Matilda and Frau doesn't like it. It just, that seemed like a common thread. And I'm like, <laughs> at the end of the movie, it doesn't go anywhere. Right. They don't do anything with it. So I don't know if maybe they address that in later movies or what. Yeah, there, there's a little bit more conversation takes place that we don't see in the, that again, takes place in the series itself. Um, and you'll see a little bit more in the second movie. So that, some of that will flesh out, uh, just some of the, the weightiness of it. Yeah. So, all right. Well, Branson, final thoughts about the movie before we go into our next section of the podcast. Um, you know, what are your final thoughts about the movie? Do you, do you like it? Do you not like it? Are you like, Hey, I'm just done and I don't want to watch anymore. <laughs> no, uh, quite the opposite. I'm interested to see how some of these plot points will play out. Um, Part of me really wants to go back and watch the series to see all of those holes filled in. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because as I said, it was an information dump. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I could maybe process some of this a little bit better if I got it in little bite-sized pieces, you know? Um, So I guess what I'd have to say is as information heavy as this movie was, it did whet my appetite for the story. It did leave me after taking a break, taking a nap and resting for a bit. I did come back looking forward to the second movie. Like I'm, mm-hmm. I'm I don't feel done with the material. I, I want to go back and do this again. Kind of right. want to go back and watch the movie, the first movie again, just to catch everything I missed the first time around. <laughs> so I totally get that for me. I'm returning to this. I, I saw this. Uh, I've seen it a couple times. It's been several years since I've watched it last. Um, I, I'm enjoying it. It r- reminds me of of some of the the magic and awe of Gundam, uh, and I appreciate the roots of it. Um, I appreciated the beauty of it. Like I appreciate the fact that I could see the sketch lines in the art. Uh, there were mm-hmm. scenes where you could see you could actually see the texture of the paper that things were 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 painted on. Yeah. Uh, in the background i i love when there's a texture literally a texture to yeah. art and Definitely, um, yeah and so 70s anime um again it suffers from 70s storytelling which is generally a very paced out kind of slow storytelling but it's beautiful to me so i appreciate all that um and i the story itself again i like um political conversation mm-hmm. i like when there's plot twist and holes where you're like, Oh wait, this person's here, but this person's here. And all of a sudden you have like a, uh, what do they call those? Uh, like the CSI murder walls. You know what I'm talking about? Where there's like uh-huh. drawing strings everywhere and there's a conspiracy right. theory. It's like, it's out yeah. there. Right. <laughs> like you can go there with this. Cause you're starting to draw all these connections between all of these people. And it's super complicated. And the movie itself, it, it does justice, but there again, there's so many things that would make more much more sense if you had watched the series itself. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, there's so much filler. <laughs> yeah. That I don't think you the people would appreciate it. Um, I would say it's worth a watch if you are getting into Gundam to have a base. Because when I tell you, Branson, that so much is referenced to this movie, uh, with because again, this is kind of the starting point of what we call the Universal Century which we talked Mm -hmm. about in the last uh, episode at the same time, there are elements of this that you see in other, uh, other universes of Gundam. Uh, Great example, Gundam seed 
uh, I think we talked about this in the last podcast, the re, re the re recording the last podcast, but um, there is a Trojan horse. Um, the main protagonist gets into the Gundam basically a very similar way that um, Armro gets into the Gundam. Um, you have the escape to Earth, which was kind of a cool scene, yeah. uh, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, in Gundam Double Zero, there is a I don't want to spoil the, the ending of it, but there is a reference that very direct reference to this Gundam itself. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, and so, and again, moving forward, the Gundam uh, machine has similar traits to this Gundam uh, where the, the blue with the yellow and the white coating and the horns and stuff like that. It, this kind of sets up a groundwork for everything. And so I feel like if you're getting into Gundam, um, if you're up for 70s style animation, check this out. I think it's fun. I think it's interesting. So it's a yes for me. Check it out. All right. Cool. Well, that's our thoughts on it. And uh, we're going to take a quick, small transition. And we're going to be back for what we're calling the maintenance report. Where Branson and I are going to try to uh, bring some encouragement using Mobile Suit Gundam. Something that just kind of stuck out to us throughout the uh, while watching it. So... Back on the flip side. Now loading the cruise maintenance reports. Reports begin in three, two, one. Hey guys, welcome back to the Gundam Watch. We have entered into the section of the show called the maintenance report, where Dallas and I take uh, things that we noticed about this Gundam movie that we've seen, and we offer some encouragement based on it. And, uh, Dallas, earlier we were talking about the fact that uh, Amaro oftentimes seems just so overwhelmed. The world mm-hmm. is falling apart all around him. And I mentioned earlier when uh, after one of his battles, people are trying to congratulate him and he's just done. He's like, leave me alone. I don't care. And he just wants to go in his bedroom and cry. And uh, Ultimately, I believe it's Frau that goes in and brings him back out and says, hey, you need to snap out of this. We, we need you here now. Right. One of the things I notice about Amaro is that his pride will not allow him to be dependent on other people. Mm. He's having some serious <laughs> mental breakdown, as you called it, PTSD level stuff going on in his head. Yeah. And he's not talking to anyone. He's not opening up to anyone. He's not smiling at anyone. He's not offering anything to anyone. Matter of fact, I think that's one of the reasons why Farrell doesn't like Lieutenant Matilda, because when Lieutenant Matilda shows up, that's the first time the dude is happy about anything. Right. <laughs> you, you know, <laughs> and, and poor Frau has been trying to be there for him the entire movie. Mm. You know, let me talk to you. Let me be there for you. Let me help you. That kind of thing. And, uh, and he just, he's having none of it. And, I think that's very convicting, uh, not just as, as Christians, but for you and I, as men, you know, as, as, as men, we have to put off this air of, we've got it all together. We've got it all figured out. We're tough. We can take it as Christians. There's this temptation to say, well, because I have faith in Christ, because I believe in Jesus, because I believe God's got my back and God's going to take care of everything. I shouldn't have to worry about anything. And I should be all smiles. And, and if I'm not happy, then I'm sinning because I'm not putting enough faith in God. Mm. And and so we have this temptation to squirrel away and hide and and not share our struggles to, you know, put out this facade, uh, especially in like social media. You know, mm. we love to tell everybody about our happy days and tell nobody about our sad days. And I see that in Amaro. He yeah. will not rely on other people at all. And, um, I should have looked it up before the start of the show, but the, <laughs> you know, I didn't think about that until now, but uh, the verse that talks about bearing each other's burdens and love, Yeah, yeah. you know, being part of the Christian family means that there is a family. Um, right. As a, one of my former pastors used to say, there's no such thing as a Lone Ranger Christian, mm. you know, that the whole thing, of, it's just me and God and that's all I need. That's not the way God designed us. He exactly. designed us to be in community. And the reason he designed us to be in community is so we can lift up each other and mm-hmm. encourage each other. And that was something that Amaro at first did not utilize. Now, as, as the movie goes on, he, he opens up a little bit more and mm-hmm. he, he allows Frau to comfort him. And he starts building those friendships with the other members of the team. 
But as a follower of Christ and as a man, we have to be willing to say, you know, there are some areas in my life where I don't have things figured out. There are some areas in my life where I'm struggling. There are some areas in my life where I need help. And I think it's important as disciples of Christ to be willing to admit that, to be open about that so we can get the help that we need. We can get the encouragement that we need. And we don't have these PTSD level events where the world is crashing in and all we want to do is curl up on our bed and cry. Right. And and so that was, that was something I drew out of this movie as I was watching that Amro is actually a cautionary tale of what happens when you don't depend on people the way that you should. So good. That's so good. And it's something that I really feel like, um, I mean, hit it. We all, we've all dealt with this as, as men, we have, we've dealt with this. I know I've dealt with that times where like, I've got to do this. Some of it comes from a place of like, we've been hurt before because we trusted other people. We've, we said, Hey, I'm trusting you to help me. And they've let us down, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And I think the big challenge for us is to go, let me walk this out still. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Let me, let me, let me, I know I've been hurt, but let me, let me still trust that th- this is going to take place, mm-hmm. which is hard. <laughs> yes, absolutely. That's good. So for me, um, mine is coming from um, right after they uh, enter into Earth orbit. Um, they're coming out the back end of this of this crazy battle. Amuro has survived miraculously. Nobody expected the Gundam to to survive the reentry process. Um, Char is losing his mind because he's lost another man, which is interesting because that again goes to the whole point of like he seems to have care for his men that serve with him, but not at the same time. That's in the conversation. <laughs> <laughs> but they're coming out, they're reentering, and they they've lost communications with Armuro, and all of a sudden it all comes back. They see Gundam fl- flying in the air, not flying, falling, and but there's a sense of okay. And then it cuts to the people in the ship itself in white base. And they're looking out and they see earth. They see the sun, they see the clouds, they see the the grass, the, the water. And there's a little kid going, that's just in awe. It's like, is that real? And this old man's like, I forget. You've never seen this. Wow. You've yeah. never seen earth. You've never seen the creation that's here before us mm-hmm. they're used to the artificial and that's all they have yeah and my encouragement for us is that when we get out of rough times because rough times take place where we're it maybe it's not ba- a bad thing they were just busy we're going we're going going we have to stop and we have to take pause and and just recognize what's around us be thankful for what's before us uh, Psalms uh, chapter 33 verse 8 says let the let all the earth fear the Lord let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him and standing in awe of him means a lot of things it, sta- it means the whole aspect of who he is but also what he's created the world around us I mean we are so perfectly placed in 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 space like we, we've heard it before you know if the earth was positioned just a few hundred feet away from the sun we'd freeze and too close we'd burn Right. Uh, that's now that's not a few hundred. Your dad would be angry at me for not giving the right numbers. I apologize, Mr. Boykin. <laughs> but just slightly out of place and we burn or freeze. Just, you know, if the atmosphere is just off, we can't breathe. And it's a wonder and an awe that we have that he created things so perfectly for us. And we need to take the time to stand in all those things. I'm reminded of Jesus whenever he um, he just finds out that his cousin had died, uh, John the Baptist. And it's a horrific thing. And Jesus is on his way to get away to pray. Now he stops. He has compassion for people. He takes care of people, takes care, take care of the things that he needs to take care of. But once the moment's done, he goes off to pray. Gets off to just stand in awe and wonder of the Lord and what the Lord has for him. We have to do that as individuals. We sometimes just have to stop and take care of ourselves and go, thank you yeah. that I have this moment and that you know, I have these things in front of me. Amen. So that's my encouragement. Amen. I concur wholeheartedly. <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, 
Branson, I believe that is the closing of our very first episode of the Gundam Watch. All right. So very cool. We survived. Uh, hopefully, this uh, report going to the High Council of Planet Geekery is received well and uh, that they like it. Well, the fact that I took my mask off is probably going to help that. It's going to help a lot. Big <laughs> points for you, buddy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now that I now that I understand the the association, yeah, I I do not want to be a shar. Red comet bad. Gotcha. <laughs> so, but hey, for those of you guys who are listening out there, uh, what did you think of the show? What did you think of the first Gundam movie? Do you like it? Do you not like it? We want to hear from you guys. Reach out to us. You can uh, find us on on uh, Facebook and Instagram. Just look for The Gundam Watch. We pop up really easily. And uh, leave comments, private messages. We want to do life with you guys. We want this to be a community uh, where you know, we're, we're discovering Gundam together because it's fun. I think it's fun. Brenton, did you have fun? Blink twice I, if you're not having fun. <laughs> Nobody no. can see you, Brenton. This is a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, I had an absolute blast. I'm, I'm very excited to, to get steeped into this. I, I I figured I would enjoy it to an extent anyway because I just I like sci-fi stuff. Right, but uh, I enjoyed it a lot more than I expected to. So I'm very eager to move on to the next, the next stage. Awesome. Our next episode is called uh, "Movie is called Mobile Suit Gundam Two: Soldiers of Sorrow." Oh, great. Okay. <laughs> Get your tissue. <laughs> <laughs> so, awesome. All right. Well, guys, before we head out, we do want to give a special thank you to John Haru. Our theme song was written and produced by John and used with permission uh, for this show. That being said, uh, Gundam fans and those who are thinking about it, until next time, stay devoted. Peace and love. <laughs> <laughs>